just, you know, we've, we, we did our vision statement week a couple of weeks ago. Was it whatever, three, two weeks ago, yep. And it's just amazing that, you know, we haven't had a, um, like a mission statement, a vision statement in the church for four years, and finally we have. And it's like, it's amazing now that as soon as we've got it, I know where to go. I know where to prepare to. And I think I've seen it with the kids' church, the youth, the youth guys, the music team. Everybody's sort of going, aha, uh-huh, got this. And it's like, man, imagine if you set the wrong one up. We'd be all off doing the wrong thing. But the fact that we've taken so long to get this together, it's, it's, now it's something that we can actually speak into. And I, I'm quite enjoying the freedom of that, sort of knowing where we're going. So um, just, I just had that scripture came to me as Dre was speaking. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, uh, you know, when we, when we look at our columns, the first one is the presence the presence of God, and you can, you know, however, the spirit life or spirit led or the Holy Spirit, but presence. And uh, it's like, man, I, I wouldn't do this any other way. I am not into religion. And a lot of people that don't go to church go, what, you're not religious? I thought you were really religious. I said, no, man, I'm not religious. I might come to church religiously on Sundays. But, but anyway, I, I want to speak into the subject of culture setters today. And, and the, the, the reason I want to do this is because sometimes things have to change in order to see things happen in the future. And there's, there's a song that I want to play a bit later on called um, History Maker. And it's a song that, I don't know, it's older, slightly older ones. It might be 20 years old now. Um, it's a song that I, I really got in my heart. It's like at the time I said to Kath, if I die, play that song. I want to be someone that leaves a legacy. I want to be someone who can, you know, that when, I, when I'm finished my race, that I have actually left some history or being a part of history. And I, what excites me is about that Cornerstone, Rolleston, the era that we're in, this church, what's happening is that we are making history. And it is exciting. So I'm going to start off by introducing you to somebody. Meet Lance. Lance is a, a young friend of ours. He's wearing a scope eye. He has just shot himself his first tail. I had not showing any animals in the, these pictures, so do not freak out. Um, every, it's just people. So that's what happens if you hold the gun too close to your head uh, when you pull the trigger. You get smashed. Now, I thought I was sorry for him until we were driving home. My brother said, so what do you think of Lyndon? Because my brother and him and I went together. He says, oh, he, he did really well walking in the mountains for an old guy. So I says, well, enjoy your scope eye, bro. I'm going to put that up on Facebook, which I did do. And, uh, and I reminded him, you know, when that, you know, the reminder comes, that five-year reminder, I put it up again just to make sure he didn't forget it. So, but here's, here's um, Lance's story. Now, he, he was a friend. My brother met him in church. And, you know, my brother died just recently, you know, tragic accident. And, and, but Lance was going to share this at the memorial service. We were going to have an op- open mic. But the problem is us Sutherlands talk too much and we used up all the time, so he couldn't um, say anything. But here's a story. This is what he was wanting to say. I am truly devastated to have lost such a remarkable, incredible man who is... Dang it, I knew this was going to happen. Who has loved, supported and mentored me over 12 years of my life. All my thoughts and prayers are going to the amazing Sutherland family. I first met Greg at church as a lost, depressed young boy with no confidence, identity or purpose. And I was full of anxiety. I was sitting at the back back right in front of him he immediately got around me and was genuinely interested in who I was and I'm telling and and telling me that he would take me hunting one day to then having him hunt with me uh, hunt me down in handcuffs on a Saturday night resulting in myself spending a night in the police station stuck in the police cells for bad behavior 
to then having him welcome me into his home, to his beautiful family, taking me hunting, real hunting, not cops and robbers, guiding me to shoot my first tar, to, my, to shoot my first stag, to giving me my first rifle, to then also encouraging me to date Brit, whom is now my wife. He refused to allow me to call him Greg. I was only allowed to call him Uncle Greg. Somehow he has always pointed me in the right direction and has taught me much, about, much from learning to smile self-confidence and to be bold and to never give up also being the best example of a loving of loving my neighbor as myself i will miss you thank you for showing me the father's heart Whoosh. <laughs> that's the impact that we have on people around us and uh, this morning you know how many people here are a teenager hands up if you're a teenager this morning Gosh, Eddie, you do sneak in, brother. You, you just get there. Just, just. If just shave the beard a little bit, you'll be right. Okay, so there's not many here today. There must be all out enjoying Waitangi weekend. But, but what, what we, what's sort of on our heart is to actually, um, I, I want to share the journey with our teenagers today. And, and I want you to hear us, and I want us as a church to understand, you know, what we, our responsibility is as a church, and as we are to our kids and our young people, and, and to, what it is to set a culture that is actually going to be life-changing and transforming of our community and of our families and of our people. I was at a, a worship event the other night. Um, a bunch of us went in there, just a few of us actually, we didn't get enough tickets, but a few of us went in there and to the town hall, and there was, it was just full of people from all around Christchurch, Christians, all praising and worshiping and praying. It was a prayer event for our city. And it's like, mate, this is so good when, the, when the, the churches come together and say, okay, we're going to lift the name of God in our town. We're going we're gonna to exalt God in our town. And they fill it up. I think the next time they want to go to the, is it the Westpac or whatever they call it now, fill up the next venue with just fill it up with Christians, like Dre said, you know. And so when people see them walking in this, oh, they're Christians. Yeah, let's fill up the place with Christians. But the thing that I know, to see the ground floor there, there's a whole bunch of young people down there. And, you know, the, the thing, I'm sitting up in the top there, obviously, because that's where I took the photo from. But... I'm looking down there and I'm seeing all these girls dancing and worshipping and going for it, singing. And then I see these guys, you know, these young fellas all hanging out together and they're, they're praying. And I see them in huddles praying. Just these guys just, just praying for our city, praying for people, praying for salvation, praying for revival. And it's like, mate, there is a youth culture that is still alive. There is something that is still going on. And sometimes, you know, we, we get sort of like mature in our Christianity and so like, where do the kids fit in? They fit in this, what's happening. They fit in right now. So I ask myself, what attracts young people to God? And we've been having this discussion just recently about, um, we had a few changes going on and it's like, what do, we, what, do, what do we want to see? What do we want to see is a, a dynamic church family that has every age represented. And so we thought, we're going to try something different. Sometimes you've got to shoot a sacred cow in order to bring something new into, into, into its place. And so um, <laughs> it's always risky because not everybody needs to agree. So I can't shake this thought here. Is that often we look at separating out a group, say the kids or the youth and that, from our, our church service, but in doing so, as they're hitting their teenagers, we train them not to come to church. And I see parents just lamenting the fact, oh, my kid turned 16, they don't want to come to church anymore. And it's like, well, if they're living under your roof, 
they make it a mandate that, hey, you, we, we give you a bed to sleep in, we feed you, and we pay for a lot of your stuff, if not all of it, so you're still part of this family. You come along to church. You know, we did that with our kids, and they never had a problem with it. And it's like, somehow we expect, like, the miracle will happen. It's like, one day, you know, they'll come to church, and it'll all happen at church. But I can say this, that what happens at home is really important when we're setting the culture that our kids are going to grow into. Then I was reflecting on my own story, and, and I know that I'm going to share a little bit of my story. I've done this before, but there's always new people coming, so half of you won't know what I'm talking about until I say it. But we always, um, there's always the opportunity that with me speaking today, either one comment that I make, one example that I tell, one story that I tell, one testimony, one event, one encounter, whether it be at church or at a youth group or at home, whatever, can change a life for good in God. It only takes a one moment. And for me, I know the moment that that happened. But I, I grew up in a, um, a Methodist background. My parents took me to this church that I've said before. Um, Mum and dad were religious. Um, they took me to this church that had just a few old people in it and one family. And that one family we didn't really get on with. You know how there's certain families you don't get on with? We didn't get on with this family. My family and their family, we would have had like, you know, we would have had uh, in a war if we had to because we just didn't really gel, you know. But the thing is, that was my experience of church as a young guy growing up. And I hated it. I just hated I hated Sundays. From a young age, I just, it was the most miserable experience I've ever been in. And then to make it worse, that family, the father, ended up becoming the grandmaster of the Masonic Lodge in Waihora. Now, if you know anything about the Masonic Lodge, it's not good. You end up, as a grandmaster, you realize the revelation is that you are actually serving the devil. So I went to church with a bunch of old people that were pretty old, not, not, you know, way older than all you guys. Just to make that, yeah, just clear that up. I saw a couple of, Roger was starting to glare at me on the shivers. So I went to church with these really old guys, Roger, really old, and the devil, and so you, you think I'm going to have a good experience. It was never going to be a good experience. And so my mum and dad got, um, got, got interested in the life and the spirit seminars at uh, Lincoln. You know, some of these guys, you know, from way back can remember that. And uh, mum had a real spiritual quest. She really wanted to um, figure out that, you know, hey, there's more to religion than just being religious. And so mum and dad went along to these events. And, and boy, they were coming back on fire. Dad was a diabetic. He came back. He stopped taking medication for days. And I was like, Dad, are you going to die? You know, <laughs> you've got to have your insulin. Um, but they, they caught something by doing that. And I remember them making a decision for the family. Okay, family, we're going to change. We're going to go to another church now, uh, one that's more charismatic. It was a charismatic church. I won't say who it is because that must not fear. And so I went to this church. And I'm 15 now. I'm like, no way. This is like the worst nightmare. Man, we'd just gone from a dead church to one that's half alive, and, and there was nobody my age. Um, and, and these guys, there's a bunch of university students that were you know, that, about 10 or 5, 7, 8 years older than me. And uh, I had no one that I could relate to, no people I wanted to hang out with, and I was in that, like, that rebellious. I'm, I actually am a good kid. I was, I was never a bad kid. So, you know, if mum and dad said come to church, I'd go to church. But, but I went and I hated it. And so I had to figure out how to avoid it. I used to hang out in the farm until I saw them drive out to go to church. Then I'd come back. Oh, I got tied up doing some stuff on the farm. 
and made excuses, but I couldn't dodge that bullet all the time. But anyway, I finally left there to go and work down in Ashburton for my uncle and auntie. Uh, and then I was 16. Uh, we'd sold the farm where we were out at uh, Tai Tapu. And then we, uh, I went and worked for a farm at Meffin for a couple of years, a couple of lambing beets, and did the harvest seasons there. And I was like, freedom! I don't have to do anything like go to church ever again. This is my life, and I can do what I like. And so here I am out in the farm there. Then I realize when I'm staying in my little hut, which is a cubicle the size of about, I don't know, six of these carpet squares. That might even be too big. I realize I'm a people person. And I'm desperately lonely. And so I thought, wow, what do I do? You know, it's like you'd have dinner with the people of the boss and then, then go and sit in my hut. And it was just boring. And I thought, right. So I went and caught up with my uncle and auntie. And so I'd catch up with them. They had a couple of cousins there as well. And, and uh, they said, oh, do you want to come to the youth group? And I was like, oh, here we go again. Dang it. And so they were good old Methodists as well. I hope you're not Methodist, ex-Methodist here today. Maybe you can understand what I'm saying. And I thought, I'll go along just because I'll meet some people. So I went along and I met some of the guys. That was great. I had a few friends in that group. That was cool. And then I met a girl and became friends with her. And that was before Tinder and, and uh, phones and text messages and things. I had to ask her out. Do you want to go with me? So embarrassing. Anyway, the, the only problem was she was the minister's daughter. So... <laughs> So now I had to go to church because that was like a, you know, a prerequisite for going out with his daughter is that you be at church on Sunday, young fella. So, so I, I'm back in the Methodist church again. And I was like, my gosh, I can't escape this. But, uh, and that church, um, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it was hard. It was hard work, but sacrifices have to be made for love. So, so I, I did this for a while. And then I went home to my parents one uh, weekend and mum says, hey, do you want to come to the church? We found this um, New Life church. And it's like, you know, it's really good. You really like it. It's in Leaston. It's like, uh, I'm a good kid. I've got a good heart. I'm not going to say no to my mum. Yeah, okay. And my two brothers and my sister, they went along. And, and so I, I went along and to, 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 to be nice to mum, really. And, uh, oh, my gosh, I have never seen anything like this before. There were people, they were dancing man like there's uh, what was the song before you know about in the river you know wow have you done pentecostal dancing ah <laughs> wow that's a new thing isn't it i am a pentecostal i'm sorry i apologize for that but this stage here i went in there these guys were dancing they had the hands up they were clapping they were enjoying it they had the drums man we missed the drums this morning didn't we they had drums and bass guitars and, and people were singing their hearts out. And next thing there was these girls, these young teenagers singing prophetic songs without words on the screen, man. And it was really beautiful. And, and then it was, then there was, um, there might have even been a flag dancer. Oh, that's scary. That's so scary. Actually, years later, I a pastor and we were talking with the pastor. We went and hid all the flags. Because there's always the, the wrong person to do the flag dancing. Always the wrong person. We had girls were doing prophetic dancing. We had guys that were shearers, um, um, policemen, farmers, you know, electricians, people. Electricians. Come on for the electricians. There's one. We've got more than that here. Um, and it was like, mate, but I was freaked out. They were speaking in tongues. And what's that? 
And so I went home. Mum says, oh, what? how did you like our service this morning? I says, no, I hated it. I'm never going back again. That is it. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not doing this anymore. And so I went back to Mephin. But the, the problem was, um, I went home again six weeks later. And the problem was, I'm still a nice guy. I'm still compliant. Mum says, do you want to come to church again today? And I said, yes. And I thought, why did I say yes? So I go back to church. But this time, I knew what I was walking into. And I can tell you, sometimes it takes, you know, it takes that the, 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 the understanding of what you're going into to actually be able to relax enough to see what's happening. And this time I went with different eyes. I started looking around. And I saw, man, there was all these girls were just loving God and they're attractive. I ended up marrying one of them. Woo, you should have seen her as a youth, man. She was into it. Shivers. She's an old Pentecostal too. And then I was looking at these guys, and they're dudes, man. This cop guy is a strong dude. And these shearers and things, you know, I was like, and I became friends with these guys. And, and they were asking me to, you know, to youth events and things. And I tell you what, um, eventually, eventually, I'll back the truck up a wee bit, actually. Um, but eventually, we end up having a heck of a lot of fun. Man, God wasn't just about Sundays. It was about a lifestyle. And then we would go and we'd be, you know, snowboarding, oh, skiing back then, to, to um, you know, beaches, to, to restaurants, to concerts, to uh, movies, to um, just, we just did so much fun stuff. And it was like the culture was there already. And I, I, I found a culture that I actually liked. And the fact that it was, it was a Christian culture, it wasn't old and dodgy and boring. It was actually vibrant and alive. And so the problem was I went back to Meph and I went back to see my girlfriend and I thought, well, now I'm still trying to figure it out. I, hadn't, I haven't become a Christian or anything. I'm still safe. Um, and I said to I thought, I'll talk to her parents because they're ministers. And so I started talking to them about this, what we're doing. You know, these guys had their arms up and they're dancing. They're, oh, Lyndon, Lyndon, no, 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 that's not right. I was like, oh, is it bad? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. And speaking in tongues, oh, that's evil, you know. And, and I was like, whoa, okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go and talk to my uncle and auntie. They'll, they'll understand. So I went back and talked to my uncle and auntie. Well, what do you think about this stuff? Oh, Lyndon, you know, I heard the other day that somebody, this guy, he's, he thinks he's a Christian, he prayed for somebody over the phone. And I'm like, oh, you are kidding. That is so evil. Oh my gosh. And so they, they were winning me over because I was thinking, oh my gosh, that is definitely evil. And then, then I started having this conversation with my auntie. I still remember it today and it was about the head of the home. I don't know why. I knew nothing. I wasn't, I wasn't even a Christian. And, I, and I'm having these theological debates that I had no authority to talk about. But I says, so who is the head of the home? And she says, it's equal. And I says, but if a, if a robber comes, I'd want to you know, protect my wife. And she says, no, it's equal. It's, it's not like that. So what about finances and things? Oh, no, it's equal. But what, what say that, you know, it's one's better than the other? What's, you know, what say the husband? I don't know what I was talking about. In the end, she got angry at me. The worst part is my uncle started to side with me. And so we were having this fantastic conversation. My, my auntie was angry. My, my uncle was like getting convinced. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is going down a real treat. And so then I thought, well, oh, man, I, I'm confused now. I'm not too sure. I'm thinking, I, it feels good what I'm seeing. But these guys are quite negative about it. So anyway, I went, I went um, back, back to work at Meffin. Then next weekend, came and saw my girlfriend. And then she said, oh, Linda, I need to talk to you. Yep. Okay, our relationship's over. The what the heck? What's happened? We were getting on real good. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, our relationship is finished. Ministers, daughters, I don't know. 
And so then, then I was like, I'm, I'm in turmoil now. I was like, mate, I should have kept my mouth shut. What's going on? You know, God, you've just wrecked my life now. But the interesting thing is that, that I know she was fed. Her, her parents are like, oh, be careful of this guy. He's going wacky. Um, you know, this, this, yeah, that's really w- weird stuff. You know, this Pentecostal stuff, this being free in the spirit is, is, is weird. And I know they were fed that. And I know that because another cousin who saw us, uh, my whole family transition into like a Pentecostal um, sort of spirit-led lifestyle, thought we had gone weird. And she says, yeah, we talked about you all the time, that the Sutherland family had gone weird. And it's like, well, that's just flipping fantastic. And, and, and the thing is, the thing that really gets me is I look at their family and I see mental illness. I see depression. I, I see broken relationships. I see aimlessness. I see uh, the religious spirit that dominates in, in that circle of, of relatives that is so, so unattractive. And I look at our lives and I think what we've come into and the fact that we're committed to churches and we're leading and we're, we're, um, we're enjoying the presence of God and the Holy Spirit doing stuff in our lives. And I think, my gosh, I'll have this any day. You can think I'm weird, but I tell you what, I am happy to be who I am because I know that God is doing an awesome blooming job in my life and I, and I will never be anything else. Jesus came and he took out the religious spirits, didn't he? All the f- scribes and Pharisees like, oh, no, 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 shut that down, shut that down. No, no. He says, I'm not going to shut it. I'm going to confront it. And uh, you know what happened there? The, the biggest thing that I, I thought as a young guy, I was 19 when I became a Christian. But as I was getting there, I, I had this horrible realization that with CAF and all the youth in that church, they were brought up with this for quite a few years now. They, they were sort of well into it. I felt that I don't know how I can catch up. I thought I'm going to be the baby Christian here. Uh, going around in my nappies, going, you know, how do I do this? What do we do this? What do we do that? And I, I see people say that I'll come to God, you know, as a young person, I'll come to God when I'm in a good place. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, you come to God the way you are. Because Jesus says, you know, just come as you are. And it says, when we come as we are, then he takes us on the journey and develops us into who he wants us to be. And so I, I felt that. I mean, my, my, my spiritual growth just took off. And I, 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 within six months, I was leading the youth group with another guy in, in the group that we'd become really good friends. And I thought, six months, I had no qualifications. I didn't even know what I was talking about, except that God was downloading in me so much. And I carried on um, youth leading for 23 years. I think the average is six months. So I did all right, eh? At my ordination a year ago now, almost, um, I was just interested to see there's a whole bunch of ex-youth and youth leaders that came to that because of our involvement. And it was like, I can see, you know, that part of my legacy is that I am part of, of history making and culture setting. So then there's some things that came along. Some scriptures. Now, when you start being confronted with scriptures, then it's really interesting. John 3.16, for this is how much God loved the, so, uh, loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? There you go, you guys. If you've got your clipboards there, anybody's got a clipboard, you'll see an answer for one of them. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I have never read my Bible. I wasn't interested in a Bible. And then 
Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of you, out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. This is like another language. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. One thing that I realized I was coming into was I was coming to a, into a future and a hope. And uh, today I see a lot of kids coming through uh, high school year 13 and they either repeat the year or have a gap year because they do not know what they're going to do with their lives. We have got a generation of youth coming through that, like when I was you know, a, a youth myself, most of us had parents, two parents at home. Our classes were full of two-parent families. Today, if you ask that same question, you'd be horrified to see how many have not got their birth parents and have got step-parents or whatever looking after them. And so is there a lack of a future and hope in, in our youth society now? Absolutely. 100%. The first time, you know, um, that I, I, this was the first time I felt like I had a purpose. You know, I actually gave my heart to God in, at an Easter camp. I think Ian Grant was speaking. I actually responded that night, but I chickened out. And a few weeks later, I gave my life to God and have not looked back since that day. But the thing is, I didn't know what I was actually giving myself to. I knew it was right. I knew it was the right direction. I knew that we were going to be good. I was up uh, the mountain at, um, at uh, Mount Cook there just a couple of weeks ago with, with Ross. Is Ross here today? There he goes. Hey, Ross. This is about us, brother. And he, he, you can talk to him later. But this, this is my app. So when, that's at my house yesterday. I just took that photo. But up in the mountains, it, it shows you where you are. And then we, were, we had gone out in the dark, and we were following a fence line. And as we were sort of, as it was getting light, I said, we're in the wrong place. This doesn't feel right. And so I got the app out and had a look at it and thought, yeah, we're there. I could see a road, and we're not, we're not supposed to be going parallel with the road. So I looked at the app and thought, well, we need to be over there. But I, didn't, I couldn't orientate it the way I wanted it to. And then I, I, I realized that we blew things. See that we blew fan in the middle there? I saw that. And the thing is, when you start walking in the direction that you need to go, that little fan faces forward. Hey, Ross. So we could see exactly where we were going. Even if the, the, um, the map wasn't orientated right, you could see that you were walking in the right direction. And so by walking, just following that little fan, as long as it was pointing toward where I wanted to go, I knew I was walking in the right direction. And we, we, we cut through this bush and out into the clearings and found the track, and it was perfectly 100% right. And, and our faith journey is a bit like that. You know, we, we, we don't really know what we're doing sometimes, but we just got to trust that God knows what he's doing. we just got to stay with the blue fan facing forward because we can see the destination when we do that. And our destination, take it right to the extreme, is everlasting life or eternal life with Jesus. Then things really start ramping up. Acts 3.19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I'm not a bad person. I'm not like Dre was. Man, we're talking <laughs> Chalk and cheese, bro. I, I mean, my, I'm not even a sinner. Did you lie? Ever, ever lied? Yeah. Okay, we'll stop right there. Did you ever steal anything? Shut up. Stop. Stop. Did you be mean to someone? No. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That times, this is a repent from your sins. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It's like, mate, this is like new 
language. I didn't know what I was walking into. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. There is no, it's not like all except for Lyndon. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life? Well, is there life? I didn't even know there was life after death. 2 Corinthians 5.10, this is where it really ramps up. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us. For the things done while in the body, whether, whether good or bad. So, take-home points. So I've got four take-home points. The first one is this. Home, home life reflects in our children, our youth's lives. If we expect miracles to happen in church, it can happen in church. But what happens with our youth and our teenagers is it happens in the home first. And so when we come into a church environment, we're just adding to that. And uh, God honors what happens in the home. And he can do stuff. It says in Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So true. And uh, you might be a parent going, Oh, but my kids aren't following God. We've got four boys. Two of our boys and their wives are following God. Full on. One of our boys is like, Nah, not for me. Don't believe this in this season. And our fourth one's probably just sitting on the fence. So we know what it's like sometimes to think, man, why aren't they following God? All of them, just totally. But it says, train up a what child in the way he should go. It's like they have to make a decision themselves at some point what they're going to do with their lives. And as parents, you know, we just got to be there. We've got to be wise. We've got to, uh, it's all about timing. It's all about saying the right things. It's about being the right example and, and being there for when our kids actually one day realize that, hey, actually, what you taught me as a kid is actually of value. And I've seen young ones come back. I've seen, I've seen adult men and women come back to God that have had a heritage of Christianity and being brought up in a godly family, and you think they'll never come back. And they come back, and they come back strong because it's already, the platform's always been laid. Second point is this. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. An instructor tells you what to do. Fathers and mothers do the journey with you. And they lead you because they've been there before they're experienced. And it's like, you know, here's a challenge for us, is that who can we father and who can we mother spiritually? Like I said before, we're living in a society, particularly where our youth we're going to have youth come to, let's declare this right now. We're going to have youth come into this church from broken families that have never had anything to do with God. And like Lance, they're going to need a mum and a dad spiritually to step into their lives. And who's, who's going to do that? Is that going to be you? Because it's easy to leave it for someone else. But let's say someone else doesn't pick them up. You know, if we speak these sort of things into the atmosphere, you know what God does? He comes in on that as a faith step and he will bring those people in and it's time for us to start looking around and think who can I look after who can I get alongside the third thing is role models and mentors a role model is this is a person looked to by others as an example to be imitated how many people want others to imitate us on a good day yeah on a bad day uh uh 
Paul says, he said um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, 11, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate God. Well, that just lifts the bar for us now, isn't it? Are we imitating God? Because as we imitate God, now what does that look like? I don't know. All I know is, is just living the way he wants us to live. And then others go, hey, I want what you've got. How many people have come to you ever and says, you've got something? It's like, like Dre was saying before about that Christian family. Why do Christian families look like Christian families? Because they've got something. Kath and I do the same thing. You know, we're walking out there somewhere and see that family? They're Christians. It's because you can see something's different on their lives. You can pick it up. A mentor is a, an experienced and trusted advisor. Um, for me, I never had that as a youth growing up as, a, as a, a young. But even when I got into the youth group, I didn't have that close relationship with someone who just took me, took me under their wing and said, hey, okay, this is what you're going to do. I, I just learned in the crowd. But, you know, when, when we actually isolate out and say, hey, I want to spend time with you because you have value, then significant things, significant things happen. The closest I had was a scout leader, Chris Scott. He was an ex-chef um, in the army, and he took over scouts. And I tell you what, everything got exciting. He was the best cook out there, man, out, out in the field, whoosh, out tenting there. We were eating like kings. It was fantastic. It was the best thing. But he was into the outdoors. He was into encouraging guys. He was, he was the guy that you would never want to miss scouts because you wanted to be where Chris was. And it was the most exciting time. You know, scouts normally has actually, should I say that? Sometimes they can have oddball leaders. Chris was not an oddball leader. He was just an amazing, amazing guy. And I thought, man, if I had somebody in a spiritual dynamic that could have done what he did in a practical way, that would have helped me so much. Again, I think of Lance, how he got picked up by my brother. Here's a few pictures. I just want to, I want to take you on a wee journey. Because you need, to, you need to feel this. And everybody does this differently. You know, Rob MacArthur, he takes people, I don't know why, how, he takes them to the airport, flies on a plane, gets to Auckland, drives through Auckland traffic, goes up to Mungify and gets them mowing lawns or doing electrical work or something like that. I don't know, he goes to the beach. I don't know what you do, but he does this all the time. And I think, man, it's amazing. That's not the way I do it. Justin, I know he gets for coffees, man. He's got a card at coffee culture. Just, yeah, book it up. <laughs> the next one. We all have different ways of doing it. And so I just, I just want to take you on a little journey. See some of these people. See this guy here. He's a, actually one of our, he's a, my calf's cousin's son and a good friend of the family. He's like a son to me, really. And uh, I took him up, take him up in the hills there. He loves it. Okay, a mentor role model. Okay, what am I doing? I'm spending time with him. You know, the first thing he did, the first hunt he came with me, he came down the hill and says, mate, I've got to lose weight. The next time I saw him, he had lost so much weight, it wasn't funny, he got himself fitter. That's what happens when you influence positively. That young fella, Cor, what a great specimen of a fella. Now, Cor and I, we actually go back to our old church in uh, Leaston, and Cor used to be part of my connect group. And, uh, you know, the, the thing is, when we came here, Cor and Renee, like, or no, Cor, I think they're saying, I don't think Renee got a, a, a choice in the matter. So Cor says, I'm going to that church because Lyndon's there. Cor even asked, I had a young guys group, we had 13 guys come to my group each week, and we, we did some fun things in our connect group. And uh, when Cor was getting married to, to Renee, he said, can I still come to the group? <laughs> and, and the thing is, it's like, you know, we don't spend a lot of time together, but... There was something 
of relationship there that has worked, and you know we're still journeying together. Acor, yeah. There's a few fellas that you'll recognise there. A few young ones. We did a bit of a, a, a tramp a couple of years ago. Lyric, it's funny that you're here today, brother. You're in the shade behind Pete. You know, doing something like that there is just such a great opportunity to spend time with someone. Um, and, and that was a dad's and son's um, overnighter or whatever we did, two nights or what it was. Some that did the Macaulay Hut. I uh, would remember this picture here. We had uh, 23 guys go to the Macaulay Hut in the first, uh, first year that we were here. And we just climbed a hill, a bunch of us, and got to know each other. And it's like, you know, journeying together. It's just, it's just doing things. And I know that, you know, there's so many different people enjoy doing the outdoors that they haven't done before. And people all of a sudden say, hey, actually, I'd like to do more of that. This one here is, is my, my granddaughter. She came out, I'm mincing some um, venison there, and she comes in and says, Granddad, what are you doing? And she's watching me, watching, and she says, can I do that? She says, yeah. She says, I don't want her fingers getting minced if she puts them too far down that tube. But she, so I, I chucked her up on the table there, and she started mincing meat. And it's like, man, mentors and role models, you know, what are we passing on to the people that we're hanging around with? And, and she got up there, and she absolutely loved it. She finished the whole bowl up, man. She was just going gangbusters. You remember this guy? He hasn't got a beard in this picture and he's got a hat on. But Jared Van Burkle. I remember the first time that, I was with Core too actually, we went up, to, um, up the Macaulay and climbed a mountain. And he wasn't fit. And he came down off the mountain. Core was like the beast. He came down with a tar on his back, which you never do that up the mountains, but he did. He brought a tar right down the, to the truck. Jared came down going, mate, I need to get fit. Now, see the physique of him now. That's not what he looked like when I first took him up to the mountain. He got himself fit, and he told me a couple of weeks ago, he's declared that his family is now an outdoors family because he got a shock that made him decide that I'm going to do something about the situation. Here's an, a niece of mine. I, I just went, took her on a hunt just, just recently, probably two months ago, and she shot a, 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 tw- a 12-point stag, first big animal. And the thing is, we, we arrived there with her dad and another cousin, her sister, and she gets out of the car and says, I'm going with Uncle Lyndon. And her dad's like... Oh, what the heck? What's wrong with me? And you can see him looking like, why Uncle Lyndon? Because Uncle Lyndon knows where the animals hide. And uh, we were sitting on the hill. We saw these, this, these deer, and, and she got this amazing animal, and she was so stoked. That was like, she was just, that doesn't show how stoked she was, actually. This young guy, very much like um, Seth, is very much like Lance. He was a young guy that came to church. He had blue hair and black hair and, and an attitude that was all over his face. And I think he had a T-shirt with something like bugger off. Um, and it was like, you are putting out every sort of vibe that says, I don't want anybody to talk to me. This guy here, I took under my wing. And we spent hours up in the, um, in the hills hunting. And he got into hunting through me. And, and he just loves, he's an outdoor freak now. And, and he's just amazing. But... He even asked me to be a groomsman in his wedding just a few years ago. And I says, man, do you want an old guy? Flip on 50. You want to be your mates that are 20s, you know? He says, no, I really want you in my, in my wedding party. And I'm like, what an honor for a young guy to ask this old chap to be in his wedding party. And those, these are the two sisters of that, the other girl I showed you. And uh, uh, Abby, no, sorry, Ella and, and Grace. And Ella there with the green, she shot a lovely fellow buck that day as well. See, it didn't show you any animals. Okay, this is just my way of doing it. I hope it doesn't upset you too much. But 
you, you don't know the impact and the power that you have. And you know, I know my brother, brother-in-law is like, what, she shot a deer? Dang, he was on the other side of the hill as well that day. What about family? Here's three of my sons. My oldest son's not here on this tramp, but um, there's, you know, hanging out with family. You know, we, we are, we're mums and dads, but we also role models to our, to our kids. We're mentors to our kids, especially as they get older. You know, they don't need us as mum and dad so much. They need us to, well, they do. Yeah, of course they do. But they still, they appreciate who you are as adults now. We, we relate on adult level. I was up at the hut recently. Now, I don't know if you guys met him, but the guy in the black in this picture, here's my neighbor that I've talked about before. And we had a great weekend up at the hut, up at uh, Craigieburn. Th- these three guys came up, and it's just, just men hanging out, doing life, enjoying what we do. We found some deer sitting on the hill, and, and they just sat there. And I'm thinking, do you want to go back and put the jug on? And they were just sitting. And they're just looking at the deer, because you're not allowed to shoot them. So this is a non-hunting story. And, and after a few minutes, I says, so do you want to go back now? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just sat in there. They're just mesmerized by seeing wild animals up in, in, in the backcountry. But that was just a great time of encouragement. The guy in the front there has come down from the North Island. And when he, when he left, he had serious twisty face. He was, he was quite upset, because he's like, man, I just so loved being here, hanging out with you over these last few days. And he was crying as he got into his car because it's like, mate, I just wish I was living down here. He probably will one day. He'll probably be in this church. This young fella, Ross, again, see, see that little sunny patch way in the distance? That's where the animal was that he shot. First animal he's ever shot. And uh, he was smiling more than that before I took the picture. But it's like, you know, who do we choose to hang out with? Who do we choose to take under our wing? Who do we, who do we you know, I, there's opportunities. And this one's my brother. And this is up at the Pinnacles at Mount, um, Mount Summers. And he was just saying, mate, look at this. The scenery was mind-blowing. And that's what I miss from my brother. But I know that he made history. I know that he left a legacy. I know that he was a mentor. He was a father figure. He was a spiritual dad. He left himself you know like you, you know when in the games so just go out, go out there and leave yourself on the paddock or go out there and leave, leave yourself on the floor Greg went out there and left himself on the paddock he lived life with such a passion can we play that song history maker now Ed please I started off by saying that you know one of our columns our first column is presence none of this is possible without God being present in our lives if we just try and do it dry, it's like lubrication, man. If we just try and do it because we think we should do it, it's not going to work. But if we get God into our lives and we get the presence of God in our lives, you know what happens? People will start looking at you when they're at the museum and go, Christian. Do you want to be that sort of person where people look at you and go, Christian? And it's a good thing. It's not a religious thing. It's a life-giving thing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And uh, I know from my own experience that I wished I had the role models and the mentors at a younger age that I wouldn't have wasted so many years, even though I was only 19 and I was a good kid. I didn't get into bad stuff, but I wasted years because I didn't have anybody to point me in the direction I wanted to go or I needed to go. Can we stand, please? Are we okay there, Ed? Okay, this song is, is History Maker, and some of you will remember it. And I, just as we play it, this morning I just feel that we'd just love to pray with some people. That 
this morning that there's something within you that says, man, I can do this. I need to be available. I need to start loving people. I need to, to look out for people that need some help. And so as we just you now listen to this, just close your eyes or whatever. But if you want prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Okay, crank it up. Is it true today that when people pray, cloudless skies will break, kings and queens will shake? Yes, it's true.
just going to play that again, just just quietly as we uh, finish off the service. But I, I just I believe there's a few more people <laughs> that can respond. And uh, the the thing is that Dre and I we often share this after a service is that we get people come up to us and say, oh, I should have done it, but I I should have come up, I should have responded, but but I didn't. Um, and it's so discouraging <laughs> because you know sometimes. And so <laughs> about the response, you know, we say this and I know that you probably think, oh my gosh, it's about response again. Yes, it is about response. We, we want our kids to respond. We want our youth to respond, but we don't respond ourselves. And it's like, you know, I know that, you know, when you're leading a service and that it's hard to respond and stuff, or if you're on the music team and things, but when we go to conferences and things, often that's when, I mean, I've seen Dre and I, when we went up to shout and stuff, we respond then, not all the time, but just when the message is there, you respond and uh, you don't see that because we're at a big event somewhere. And, but the response is, it's a heart attitude. And, and it, it's like when we start responding to God publicly, what happens is like a watershed. Others feel free to, to do the same thing. And I've seen it through the whole, you know, ever since I've been a Christian, I've seen it where, where one person can start a flow. Can one, cert, one person like turns the tap on. And people respond. And it's like we're not beating some sort of religious drum here. It's like response is what God rides in on. And he will change lives. So we'll just let this pl- uh, play again. Uh, you got anything else you want to say? If you'd like some prayer just as we're wrapping up the meeting, others will be going out and having a cup of tea and, and get to say, say hi to someone you don't know. It would be awesome for you to meet someone you don't know this today. But if you would like prayer, you know, we're going to linger around the front here. Uh, our prayer team, and we're gonna, we want to pray with you because it's so, so important. And maybe it's hard to do in front of everybody, but when everybody's leaving for a cup of tea, it might be a bit easier. So, so we're just going to close the meeting there. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that this is a serious thing that we are part of. And, Lord, we want to see, like, the, the, the floodgates of heaven just swung open wide. And so I pray, Lord, today that we would go out carrying a burden for people around us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Come for prayer or have a cup of tea. Whichever is the most important.